0: Hi guys. Um I haven't done a podcast on here in a bit. Um outside of that one soap one recently and I was working on another soap one that just keeps getting not finished. <laughs> I'm going to try and reorganize it because live watching does not make sense considering how much I talk, (laughs) Uh, so I'm going to try something different, see if I can make that work. Um, But while I'm working out the kinks, um, one of the other fandom, uh, the main bread and butter of this... um, this podcast to this point has been wrestling uh because i've been really focused on wrestling recently it's one of my favorite soaps yes i said soaps because it basically is and it's episodic television it's um been going on for over two decades at this point um with continuing long term storylines characters come and go and new characters pop up all the time and there's love and hate and drama and violence and this and that and the third it's just a violent soap opera really um it's a soap opera about wrestling (laughs) um in my perspective and so with my other soaps not having my attention as much as they have in the past I leaned in um and so my twitter followed um And that's actually part of how I found this app, you know, as I was leaning more towards the IWC, the internet wrestling community, to the uninitiated, like I once was, um, I I started to make friends and engage more, um, I had made friends already there, but I had kind of lost some of my itch for it because, you know, the stories had not been... Right there as well, you know, I tend to bounce where the good stories are um, or where I can just feel connected and engaged. Um, it's just a thing I do, it doesn't mean I don't still love my friends or that I don't still love my wrestling, it just means that I may need a break every so often and I need to focus my attention somewhere else. It is what it is. Um, but wrestling has been a lot of my story-related focus lately. The That's been my favorite soap of late. Um, so it's gotten a lot of my attention. Um, as far as non-real-life stuff, you know, is concerned. As far as entertainment stuff is concerned. I mean, I have other focuses, clearly. Because, you know, your girl's not rich, no matter how much she wishes she was. Um, and so in saying all that, um, wrestling Twitter has been the biggest, has been almost the biggest part of it. You know, talking to people, debating with people, having differences of opinions, having opinions on wrestlers in and out of the ring. Um, and I... The funny thing is, um, a couple months ago, one of the people I met through the IWC, he DM'd me about the, t- the person who inspired this podcast. Um, it's probably not going to be completely about her. And I'm sorry to those who might want it to be. I didn't know her well enough to appropriately tribute Hannah Kimura. Um, But her story does hit home for me. And I just had so many thoughts and feelings. I felt like I had to get them out. Um, I don't even know if I'm going to end up sharing this with you guys. Because I don't know how far... I am going to go with just sharing a piece of me with you. Um, but she inspired this in the most tragic way possible. Um, so, Hannah Kimura uh, spent months under the weight of cyberbullying and. She finally lost her fight last night and committed suicide to escape. (laughs) Dramatic pause. (laughs) That's not what I'm trying to do. I just... For all that I like to talk to people and engage with people, I don't know if you've noticed, but I can sometimes be socially awkward. Um... I've always been socially awkward, um, and will likely always be to some degree socially awkward. I I fake it really, really well. It's been a skill set that I've built, but, but it, the stutter, um, (laughs) it is who I am and I've accepted that about me, um, even as I do still mask it to some degree. Um, so sometimes I feel like, uh, the things I do, I end up having to explain, um, so that you don't assume that I am trying to be one of those people, even though you may not even be thinking that. Crazy, right? Uh, (laughs) welcome to social anxiety. Um... And maybe even I don't owe you an explanation for who I happen to be. Um, I probably definitely don't. See, I'm still even saying probably. Knowing logically that I don't. But there's a part of me that is largely connected to or responsible for the social anxiety that can't quite fully let go of that thought. There's also the perception of my brother's keeper, you know, or my sister's keeper, however you want to think of it, that we do owe each other something to a certain degree um, of ourselves. I don't know. Um, I'm rambling. (laughs) I can't. hmm get my thoughts in order, Um, which is part of why I'm doing this. I'm hoping that if I can get this knot out of my throat, if I can speak whatever words I have stuck inside of me right now that I can process and move forward and maybe help someone else who's having the same issue process and move forward. So I probably even as sporadic and chaotic and rambling as this is and may continue to be we'll share this for the one person I may who may hear it and need it um if no one does that's fine too Uh, I'm glad to entertain you (laughs) um maybe just the hope that something positive came out of this um So, Anna Kimura experienced months of cyberbullying, intense cyberbullying, after being on a reality TV show, and um, she succumbed to the cyberbullying and committed suicide last night. And when I heard about the cyberbullying and that she was struggling, I... I said a prayer, I was hopeful, but I didn't know this woman, um, this performer, she, she's a Joshi wrestler with stardom and I didn't, I didn't, I don't know, I didn't know If I should bother to get involved. You know. Try to send a positive tweet. Or something. Anything. Or if that would be too invasive. Or if it wouldn't be invasive enough. Or if it would matter. Amongst all of the hate. Also. I struggle with depression. I, I was diagnosed a few years ago with major depressive disorder. I struggle with a great deal of depression and anxiety, um, which are ironically highly intrinsic to major depressive disorder, very similar to bipolar, uh, being bipolar. Um, I know there's a more clinical term than bipolar, but that's the one that always likes to stick in my head. Um, mm. Words I will say them. I'll figure out a way to say them. I'm sorry, um, but anyway. So I I tried to not go there in my head. Shad's passing hit me. I I don't another wrestler. I was not really connected with. I did not really follow. Was not a fan of. He was not my friend. Much like in the case of Hannah, but. They seemed like two really lovely people, just from all accounts, outward accounts, and what I'd seen of them online. And, you know, and it's just in general tragic to see some, see a family lose someone so important to them that they love so much. To see a person lose their future. No matter what the reason. Um, it made me sad. Um, and it took me... It threatened to take me to a dark place that I've been before and did not want to go back to. So, um, as a matter of self-care, I focused on lighter-hearted things. Silliness and funniness. And and, and... Oh, hold on a second, guys. My, my son woke up. I, I need to... Check in with him and I will be back momentarily. Okay, and I am back. Okay. <laughs> hmm. <clears throat> okay. Um so what was I saying? Oh yes, all right. Um I gave you guys my clinical diagnosis and, you know, depression, anxiety, that's me. That's been my life for a lot more years than since I've been diagnosed. Um, uh, Chad be kind, kind of started the the spiral for me, um, to this point but I've kind of been sinking for a while I don't know who's experienced depression who's listening to this and who hasn't Um, but if you've never experienced depression people joke that it's like quicksand but it's not a joke it really genuinely is because in some cases it can be like you're walking Slowly but surely, as you're walking through your life, you're sinking. You may not even fully notice it at first. Your actions may tell it long before you recognize it in yourself, but slowly but surely, every step you take, you sink. And it's at some people's depression swings in quickly, and, and, and they feel it and it's there and they're up to their neck before they can blink. And some people, you can go days, months, weeks, slowly sinking one step at a time. Just every step taking you deeper and deeper in the muck. So that you don't even see yourself going there until you're there. And then you don't know how you ended up in this place where you're ankle deep and struggling to find solid ground. And you smile to the people you interact with. And you laugh and things seem funny. And But it doesn't stop the sinking. It doesn't stop the way the mud sucks you down. And how underneath that smile and that laugh and that humor, underneath the passionate emotions you express, the sinking continues. And you just keep coming down and down. And I've been sinking for a while. Um, I can usually see it looking back a lot better than i can see it in the moment that happens with some people with depression i've been told um i guess that's just how i am i i usually can't see (laughs) it to stop it but i can see it either once i'm in it or once i'm out but i've been sinking It just seems like every time I try to find the joy in life the happiness in life life shows me another tragedy or another darkness or another reason to hurt and I, maybe I'm 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 taking too much on myself but I've always been uh At times an empathetic person. I'm not perfect. I'm not. A saint. Or even suggesting that I'm anything close to it. Ah. (laughs) Lord no. But I have been known. To empathize with other people's pain. And want. To ease it because i know what it's like to hurt and i don't want anyone to feel like this no one should feel like that anyway um enough about me thinking and and what it feels like to be depressed um now my anxiety tends to play into my depression And and the more anxious I become about situations, the more fatalistic and the more I sink. Um, It's a stupid, unfortunate cycle that has to do with the brain chemistry that I happen to have. And a lot of great comes out of this noggin, I guess. I have to believe that, otherwise I'd sink even faster. Um, But... Take the good with the bad. But I know what it's like to be bull- bullied in person. Although I've been blessed to never experience cyberbullying, I know what it's like in real life, to be bullied. I remember the worst it got. Someone decided it would be a funny thing to do to mock my name. I can't remember what started it. I can't remember what made them look at me. tended to be quiet. I tended to try and mind my business because I didn't want this. I I, I used to be super attention seeking before I started school. I loved it. I was surrounded by adults who thought I was magic. (laughs) i was ahead of the curve or whatever and it was they found it incredibly engaging to watch this precocious child act like a full-grown adult and understand some concepts that were beyond her years and and engage in conversations and have opinions and thoughts on a level beyond many her age and then school happened and little kids didn't get me and I didn't get them and from there on I was I tended to be a loner an outsider bullied someone that someone could only be friends with when no one else was around uh, when I was much younger I, my parents seemed to always have us live in housing developments that had just started building so they would always be small and there wouldn't be many people there and so there would only ever be one or two people my age to hang around and somehow i would make friends and they would be my friends in that division but when we'd get to school i was on my own again they wouldn't join in on the attacks but I, I really had anyone to defend me and I was not, I didn't know how to defend myself emotionally. Um, but yeah, it, I was, I'm trying to remember if it was 6th or 7th grade, I believe it was 7th grade, junior high, because where I came from it was junior high, not middle school. And that meant 7th through ninth instead of 6th through seven uh, six through eight. Anyway, 7th grade. Someone got a hair up their ass to start teasing me about my name. And then others joined in. And just coming up with all different ways they could mock my name. And I just thought, okay, just don't react don't cry, don't smile, don't laugh, pretend you don't hear it, pretend it's not happening, read your book, mind your business, ignore it, and it's not there, they'll go away, because that's what they say, right, if you ignore it, it'll go away, it didn't go away, (laughs) They followed me off the bus and they kept doing it. Determined to break me, but I refused. I can be stubborn. I don't know if you guys have noticed that from listening to my podcasts. I can be incredibly stubborn. And I was not gonna let it happen. My one friend the first friend I ever had that really ever defended me had cheerleading practice that day so she wasn't on the bus with me. Which may be why they felt like I was finally fair game. But uh, I walked away and they followed me. And I could see myself getting to the corner where I would be able to, because usually they walked a different way. They lived on a different area of the neighborhood than me. And I just figured if I can get to this corner, they'll turn around and have to walk back home and they'll leave me alone because if I get too close to my house, they'll stop. They won't want to be caught by an adult doing this. And so I just remember myself keeping my head in my book I'm not seeing these people walking around me screaming ways in which they can mock my name. It's why I kind of leaned into Tony after a while. I just got sick of hearing my name butchered. It was easier. Um, It's really hard for people to screw up Tony. (laughs) didn't. They they kept going and they kept harping and poking and stabbing until finally we got to the corner and I guess they saw my plan and decided to stop me because they literally created a ring around me screaming different variations of ways to mock my name. There are things that I probably don't remember as well. Um, traumas I've experienced that my brain won't let me remember except in nightmares that seem just like stories to me now. That's not one of them. I mean, you see it in movies and you think it can't happen in real life because it's just something they do for dramatic effect, right? But bullies exist. I'm sorry. Um, They exist. They feed off of the power they get. ...from breaking another human being down. They enjoy it. They genuinely do. I can't... ...help but think that... ...maybe there's something... ...broken in them... ...that allows that, but... ...it's a real thing. Now, finally, I had to look up for my book and I looked into every single face that did it to me. Until finally, I found a hole in the circle and I forced my way through and I left them at that corner and I walked home To my empty house with tears in my eyes and I sobbed I'm used to being a latchkey kid have been most of my life and for once it was a good thing I could lock myself in a room or not lock myself in a room and I could just let it out and no one had to know because my younger siblings wouldn't be home for a while That was the worst I ever experienced with bullying. Sorry, I just needed a moment to figure out what I needed to say after that. Um. Uh, after that, things seemed to shift. Um, I don't know if that shift was me or something else. Um, But... Life became different. um i i learned the way to and from school so i could walk it if i needed to um i tried to engage in a few extracurriculars on sometimes i got my first attention had to take the late bus home things changed I don't know if it was me, I know it was me, I, I changed, but after that it never happened again. I don't know if they got a new target or I just did not give enough of a reaction for them. things changed. And I changed. And I created, long before I started telling people to call me Tony, I created Tony in my head. Tony is strong. Tony doesn't take shit. Tony talks back. Tony can make someone cry without realizing it and without cussing them out. Tony will not be that broken little girl again. And Tony started standing up to the bullies more for others than even herself. Because that was not something I was ever going to be okay with. I wasn't going to let that happen to someone else. So anyway, I changed. Tony was born and Tony was strong. That was in 7th grade. Slowly but surely, I built who I am today. From that moment. From surviving that moment. But I've... Since before that moment, I have dealt with issues that mirror depression. That was no exception. That time was no exception, I should say. Um, but even though my mother is a nurse, it's still very deeply ingrained in the black community to not conceptualize of mental issues as some as an us issue that's something them them experience them them others whomever they shall be they have mental issues because they're weak we can survive anything look at where we've come from we're not weak like that so for a very long time I've been known as a drama queen uh, because I'm an emotional person I, I feel empathy deeply for other people and for myself I hurt I love, I laugh, I cry, I make jokes, and I try to entertain, and I put on the clown's mask, especially when it hurts the most. I lean in when it hurts the most. And There have been a couple times that I've done things to try and get diagnosed. I'm not a particularly wealthy person, so without um, proper insurance, getting the help I needed at a younger age was not an option for me. I was too busy going to school and working at multiple jobs in some cases to make that possible for me. Um, but yeah, I, I tried to do some, you know, depression trials, you know, and I've, I had been diagnosed as having symptoms of depression and possibly being depressed and such. And, um, I guess the first time that happened would have been when I was about 18. Um, but i I was never officially diagnosed and, uh, I wasn't able to keep up with the trial because didn't because like I said, I working multiple jobs and going to school it doesn't really lend enough time to go to all the appointments they want you to go to and pick up all of the medications you need to maintain and, and this, that, and the third. So I never completed a trial or anything like that. But I kept putting one foot in front of the other and trying to be optimistic that one day I wouldn't be this way. One day I would understand what it's like to be normal, you know, and not have these images in my head of myself stepping into oncoming traffic or of a building just randomly falling on my head. Like, I, I don't know if normal people ever experience that. Of touching something and electrocuting myself for God knows what reason. Goes on even when I need a break from it myself. Um, I don't. You don't always get it. <sighs> that's what I've I've learned the most. <sighs> um, I don't. I'm not saying any of this for sympathy. This may be the social anxiety talking. That's starting to make me feel insecure about being this honest. Um, I, don't, I don't want the sympathy. It doesn't help. It makes me feel like I am being needy. or Or that I'm manipulating people. Because that's what I've been told so long that I do. That I sometimes can't tell the difference between needing help and and a love and affection and being a manipulator so and maybe sometimes the line is (laughs) that thin so that's not what I'm asking for I'm trying to help people to see human beings in pain for who they are underneath the masks So that maybe someone will hear this and won't do to Hannah, to someone else, what they did to Hannah. What has been done to me, maybe they can see it for themselves as more than just entertainment, something fun to listen to life goes on and things have to be dealt with but I have to get this out normally this entire monologue that I am having with you would be had in an empty room where no one would hear me as I panicked and freaked out and experienced all of these feelings and thoughts (laughs) and I would just vent it to empty air but if someone is in pain and this helps them not feel alone or this helps them ask for help then here's the vein I opened uh so where was I I went a lot of years untreated just taking one step at a time I experienced homelessness and I had a friend whose heart was so big and just took me in When I had nowhere else to go and no idea what I was going to do next, took me in, helped me get a job, helped me connect with my family, who helped me out as well. I eventually started to get back on track. It cycles. You start to get back on track, but then what's in your head will drag you back on. Whether you want it or not. And maybe it's because you haven't dealt with the trauma. Maybe I just really am that weird in here. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that I care. I am me. I'm not ashamed of it. not ashamed of it and no one else should be either it finally reached a breaking point a few years ago um I had gone through a good streak I had a great job I managed to buy my own home for the first time everything was going really well for me was a single mom but I was doing good I was able to help out my sister during my parents divorce she was the last child in the family and they got divorced in like her senior year and things were crazy and she was supporting me with my son and I was supporting her with her her life experiences and I felt like I was in a really good place and then I got sick and lost my job Myself and my home. And once again, my family had to step in to help. I'm not proud of that time. I got so lost. I was a bad mom. People can say, no, you weren't, you weren't, you don't know. I wanted to be better. I tried to get the postpartum treated, but I just, between that and the IBS and the this and that and the third, it just, it got too big and I didn't have what I needed to fix it. Healthcare in the United States really sucks. Especially if you have mental health issues that need, need medication. Getting diagnosed in the first place is ironically, I had to give up my home again and stay with a friend while I was getting back on my feet because I got a job, but it was closer to them and I didn't have a car so in order for me to walk. Um, cause I couldn't even afford bus fare at that point in my life. I ended up living with my fa- friend while my son stayed with my family until I could afford to get us a place again. Get a car, get, get my life back on track. And I was fighting, walking in full sweltering Texas heat to go to work every day to rebuild my savings to pay my friend a little something for letting me stay you know I was cooking meals for her and us we were having talks we were doing the good things we were going for walks and going for dinners because she actually talked me into spending money (laughs) things were getting good as good as they could be Under the circumstances, I don't know what it was that finally broke me again. All I know is I remember things feeling okay, and then I remember seeing my death everywhere I looked. And I started having inner monologues about how I could and could not die. That it would be okay if I died because no one would really miss me. My son would finally be free of me and my family wouldn't have to be burdened by how useless I was and, and my friend wouldn't have to be burdened by my existence. And I just needed to figure out a way that they wouldn't have to find the body themselves you know because that would be too cruel you know um I couldn't slip my wrists and lay in the bathtub because that was my friend's home and I what would that be who would I be if I was selfish enough to make her find me to make her live in a house where someone had died even if it was if it was only me she didn't deserve that after all her kindness couldn't do that to her which meant hanging was also out of the question so I started thinking of other ways that I could kill myself that would be safe for her and my family and it started getting to the point where I couldn't walk down a busy street without the fear that I would step off into oncoming traffic and end it like that do you know what it's like I pray no one understands what I'm talking about right now I pray no one ever has to know what this feels like to be so trapped inside of pain that you can't even fully explained to anyone else because it sounds crazy to you that you feel like your only option is to stand in front of a move step in front of a moving car and remove your existence from this world I pray when it got to a point where I I actually saw myself take the step towards the curb once. I went home to my friend's house. I I went into my room and I called the suicide hotline. And I checked myself in. It was the most terrifying weekend of my life. just to let you know what it's like when they bring you in or when you go in I don't I don't even remember how I got there anymore like I genuinely don't know how I just remember making the call and I remember being in the room eight cots basically in an open room with no walls, no privacy, with only a thin sheet on the bed, a few thin sheets, slightly thicker woven blanket on top of it, and a pillow. Not much else uh, because they have to be able to watch you and make sure you don't do anything to harm yourself. Are coming to the end of their 72 hour hold are coming and going it was almost as traumatic as the feelings I was already experiencing I felt embarrassed what was so wrong with me and my brain that I could get to the point where this is how I'm living my life have a son, shouldn't that be enough? But shaking the idea that I was more of a detriment than a help to him was not that easy. Being diagnosed saved my life. Being told that medica- there was medication that could help, saved my life because if it was my brain not functioning properly, then this was I wasn't that selfish. I wasn't trying to steal my child mother and, and make him live the rest of his life thinking he wasn't enough. I wasn't that selfish to hurt my family and my friends. suicide. I wasn't that person. Because something in my brain did that to me. It wasn't me, you know? Maybe you don't know. I pray you don't know. (laughs) No one should ever know. Ever. But people do. I went through a large portion of my life suspecting that I was not okay and powering through and not getting the help I needed. And then suddenly I was getting the help I needed. I was getting to unburden myself. I was getting medication And people weren't looking at me like there was something wrong with me. They were looking at me like there was something that we could fix. There was hope to fix this. To be okay. And seeing Hannah Kimura at 22 commit suicide. before she could get to the point where she knew she could be okay, before she could get the help that could help her see that she could be okay, it, it, it hit something in me. that if by talking around that knot in my throat that weight on my chest I can help someone else deal with this understand it change and not do this to someone else then I I can do something small to help no one's probably gonna care about this. Not really. It's gonna. If 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 some of you have big hearts and you're gonna hurt to hear this for me, you you care about people and you're, you're wonderful people and I don't doubt that. But in this day and age, it's hard to believe that some people will care past hearing it or feel like this is even fully real because they don't know me or think that it's some kind of thing for clout or attention i understand that and i accept that not everyone can believe that this is what it feels like you it's hard to understand what it's like to have those all those different thoughts racing in your head until your head is screaming to be split open just to make it stop. It's hard to understand what you've never experienced sometimes. It sounds like a fantasy or a story. And it is my story. But it's also true. I determined when they released me from suicide watch that I would never go back. And every day I I do what I can to never go back. But I also know that if my brain betrays me, I could end up right back where I started. It's just the reality of my life. I didn't know Hana Kimura. I didn't know Shad Gaspard. I didn't know so many people who died lately. I didn't deserve it. I didn't know them. I'm sorry that they passed. I really, really. And I hope that their families are okay. And their friends are okay. And I hope that there are people out there who are learning. To be better. I hope I'm one of them. But more than anything, I hope this helps. I hope I didn't just open a vein for no reason. Posting this on social media will be one of the hardest things I've ever done. I may not even keep this up for longer than 24 hours. (laughs) God, I I feel relief and fear. Terror would probably be a better word for it. And hope. You're not alone. You can survive. No matter what's thrown at you. And there's someone who needs you to. Even when it feels like there isn't. There's someone who needs you to survive it. So if you can't hold on for you, hold on for them. I'm sorry that she died. I'm sorry that a lot of people died that didn't deserve it. one of them. And he helped me be strong enough not to be one of them. And I just pray that someone can be that strength for someone else who needs it. Because no one deserves to feel that way. I can't